Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. And the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Father, um, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes and our hearts to not just believe the resurrection this day, but to experience it, that we might be changed. And I pray it in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, please. Now, some events in life change everything. When you receive an acceptance letter to college, when you stand at the altar and you say, I do. When you see two pink lines on a pregnancy test. Um, when your last child moves out of the house. When you retire and move to Florida. When you sign a DNR for your loved one. In those moments, you realize everything has changed. Two years ago, in the earliest days of the coronavirus, everything was still unknown. Um, we watched this virus that was ravaging China and Italy. We had some cases here in the U.S., but, but it still, wasn't, still didn't feel real. We still wondered, is, is this really a big deal? And then came March 11th, 2020. 
That morning, the World Health Organization officially declared COVID-19 a pandemic. And then we heard some news that when we heard it, we thought, this, this changes everything. And I don't know if you remember it, but the TV show This Is Us captured it. Here it is. Friend Daphne says if you touch your face, you automatically get it. You might. Deja, come on. Hey, this thing is serious. Okay, yeah, understood. But mom, if you guys change your mind and want to come stay here. Okay. I know. Hey, mom, I'll call you there. Hello. Well, the clinical trial is officially postponed. After all that. Thank God mom and Miguel went to the cabin before St. Louis. She says she's comfortable. She'll ride it out there. Tom Hanks got it. Hanks got the call. Hanks got the call. Oh, I gotta call Kate. Randall. Lost Tom Hanks, but she gotta hear this from me. People gonna wake up now. On March 11th, we learned that Tom Hanks and his wife Rita Wilson had COVID. That night, the NBA canceled their entire season. And President Trump addressed the nation from the Oval Office and suspended all travel from Europe. In 24 hours, it felt like everything had changed. On Saturday of Holy Week, the followers of Jesus were sad, bewildered, and scared because their Savior was dead. But 24 hours later, Everything had changed. Why? Because of the resurrection. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is pointless, and your faith is pointless. We're all just wasting our time here right now. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The resurrection is the most documented event in ancient history. There is no intellectually satisfying explanation for the establishment of the church and the growth of Christianity all over the world except for one. Jesus Christ rose bodily from the grave. Luke is one of four gospel accounts that we have that record the resurrection, what happened that first Easter morning. And in this passage that we read, we see at least three ways that the resurrection changes everything. Because of the resurrection, death is destroyed, hope is restored, and grace is confirmed. So first, the destruction of death. Jesus was dead. His followers saw his lifeless body taken down from the cross wrapped in burial cloths, and laid in a tomb. The, the Jews did not practice embalming, and so the women prepared spices and ointments and, and brought them to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body so that it would not start to smell from the decay of death. They were showing honor to their Lord. They were doing what anyone would do for someone whom they loved. 
Why is it that across many different cultures, people decorate the deceased? Whether they're in a casket or not, we decorate the deceased with flowers. Why do we do that? Because like the women with spices, we are trying to cover the ugliness of death. But it never works. As hard as we try, death's taunts refuse to be silenced. Being a pastor in this community, I've gotten the privilege many times to go to the National Cemetery in Bushnell. It's the most beautiful cemetery that I've ever seen. Um, the, the sprawling oaks, the manicured grass, the sparkling white tombs. And yet, it's still a cemetery. You don't go there to have a picnic. You go there to mourn. That's why the question the angels ask the women is, is so striking. Why do you seek the living among the dead? I love the message translation, which says, why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? Because tombs are for dead people. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. Friends, if, if you hear only one thing this morning, hear this. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus destroyed the power of death. He rose from the dead, not just spiritually, but physically. And he now lives forevermore. We worship a living Savior. No one has ever claimed such a thing. In Revelation chapter 1, Jesus says, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and the grave. I've gotten to know a person in our church over the last year, and they were telling me that they were completely paralyzed and undone by the fear of death. They would lay awake at night worrying about it for themselves and, and for their child. And... Uh, in fact, so much so that they, they had panic attacks and, and went to the doctor trying to, to find help. But it wasn't until they came to Seven Rivers and heard the gospel. Right? It wasn't until they heard that, that Jesus had died and risen and that because of him they can face death in a completely new way that they were able to sleep at night. John Flavel was a Puritan pastor. He wrote this. He said, Death is harmless to the people of God. Its shafts leave no sting in them. Why then are you afraid that your sickness may be unto death? If you were to die in your sins, if death were to reign over you as a tyrant, to feed upon you as a lion doth upon his prey, if death to you were to be the precursor of hell, then you might reasonably startle and shrink back from it with horror and dismay. But if your sins are blotted out, if Christ has vanquished death in your behalf so that you have nothing to encounter but bodily pain and possibly not even that, if death will be to you the harbinger of heaven, why should you be afraid? Why not bid it welcome? Indeed, most men need patience to die, but a saint who understands what death will introduce him to rather needs patience to live. There's a pastor who tells a story about when he was a kid, 
the, uh, him, him and the other kids would uh, walk to school. And, uh, and when they walked to school, they would pass this one house where there was this huge dog, uh, this, this big boxer who had this menacing bark, and he was chained to a long chain in the backyard. And they would walk by the house, and the dog would come running out, uh, barking at them. And, uh, and, and at one point, the, you know, the chain would stop, uh, but they were terrified uh, of, this, of this dog. They would start worrying about walking past this house blocks away. And uh, one day, the owner of this dog uh, saw this take place. And so the next day, when the kids walked by, the owner had the dog on a leash. And, uh, and he said, hey, hey, come here, come here, come over, come see my dog. And uh, the kids were like, no, no way, you know, no way. And uh, he, said, he said, no, no, no. And he started to walk towards them with the dog. And he said, my, my dog would never hurt you. My dog can't hurt you. And he, he leaned down and he lifted up the dog's upper lip and showed that there weren't any teeth in that dog. Not a single tooth in that dog's mouth. And the, the kids laughed. He said, even if, even if my dog got loose and tried to bite you, he couldn't hurt you. And you know what? They were never afraid of that dog again. Jesus, by his resurrection, has defanged death. There is nothing for the follower of Christ to fear. For the Christian, death is not a dead end. It is a door. It is a door into resurrected life. 2 Timothy 2.11 says, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Just like Jesus walked out of the grave with a new resurrected body, one day we too will walk out of our graves with new resurrected bodies. One day they will say of us, why are they looking for the living among the dead? Because they're not here. They have risen. Second, the resurrection means the restoration of hope. When the, when the women came to the tomb that morning, they, weren't coming to, they were coming to uh, anoint a dead body. They were not coming to welcome the risen Lord with a rendition of the Hallelujah Chorus. Um, in fact, Mark says that the women were discussing on the way, how are we going to get inside? Who will, who will roll away the stone for us? None of Jesus' followers expected the empty tomb. No one was like, dude, I told you so, right? Easter was a surprise. Peter ran to the tomb and saw the linen garments, and Luke says he went home marveling at what had happened. At that point, he, he didn't fully understand, but he knew something wonderful had happened. Hope was beginning to be restored inside of Jesus's followers. So here's what I want what I want to ask you this morning. Have you lost the wonder of Easter? Have you forgotten the power of the empty tomb? I mean in comparison in, in, in the Old Testament, uh, Abraham and Sarah were really old. So old that that when God said that Sarah would have a child, she laughed. To which God said, is anything too wonderful for me? 
The Israelites watched God part the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. But then they couldn't even wait long enough for Moses to come down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments and they had built an idol and started worshiping it. And neither one of those miracles are as amazing as the resurrection. Have you forgotten? Have you lost the wonder? Have you forgotten the power? Hans and Starr, a Christian couple, they were married for a few years. They had a little child, and they uh, fought terribly. Starr knew every button, right button to push. Hans uh, would, would reach his uh, boiling point and just explode with anger. And one time Hans uh, grabbed Star and threw her down as hard as he could onto the bed. Um, after which Star, when Hans went away uh, one weekend, uh, had an affair with another man. This marriage was, was coming undone and had reached the breaking point. And uh, one afternoon... Star met Hans at the end of the driveway with her bags packed and their child and said, I'm leaving. Uh, Hans asked his parents if he could go live with them, and his parents said, yeah, you can live with us, but under one condition, you have to go to Christian counseling. Hans uh, went, and he actually started to see his sin. He started to believe the gospel, um, started... To, to see how Jesus, though he deserved all of the fame and all of the accolades and all of the worship, he became a humble servant and, and gave up his life to death, and that, that Hans was called to do that for his wife. He began to become the kind of man that Star had always hoped for. And then Star tells what happened next for her uh, in this short clip. I remember being very drawn to the man that he was becoming, but now the relationship was dead. I decided I was gonna go to counseling. Two to three sessions and then be done. That way I can say that I tried and it just didn't work. And so I was going to pursue a divorce. I vented everything to him about why there was just no way that we were gonna make it. And he just listened. And then he looked at me in the eye very intently and said, do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? And I said, yes, I believe that. He said, you think that God can take a dead man and raise him to life to save you, but you don't think he can heal your marriage. And so I turned to God this much a light that had been shut off came on, and I wondered, what if God could do it? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? Do you? No, really, do you? Theologian N.T. Wright says this, When Jesus rose again, God's whole new creation emerged from the tomb, introducing a world full of new potential and possibility. 
Indeed, precisely because part of that new possibility is for human beings themselves to be revived and renewed, the resurrection of Jesus doesn't leave us as passive, helpless spectators. We find ourselves lifted up, set on our feet, given new breath in our lungs, and commissioned to go and make new creation happen in the world. I love that. Go and make new creation happen because Jesus is alive. Because the power of the resurrection, the power of the new creation is inside of you. So don't ever lose hope. Don't ever think that anything is impossible for God. Don't ever think that anything is too wonderful for him. Tim Keller is a pastor in New York City. He's got pancreatic cancer. He's going to die. And he was interviewed just last week for an op-ed piece in the New York Times. And he said this. He said, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened, then ultimately God is going to put everything right. Suffering is going to go away. Evil is going to go away. Death is going to go away. Aging is going to go away. Pancreatic cancer is going to go away. Now, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen, then I guess all bets are off. But if it actually happened, then there's all the hope in the world. There's no limit to what kinds of things we can look forward to. I know some of your readers are thinking, I can't believe there's a person with more than a third grade education that actually believes that. But I do. And these last few months, as we've gotten in touch with these great parts of our faith, Kathy and I would both say we've never been happier in our lives, even though I'm living under the shadow of cancer. I look at Easter and I say, because of this, I can face anything. In the past, I thought of Easter as a kind of optimistic, upbeat way of thinking about life. And now I see that Easter is a universal solvent. It can eat through any fear, any anger, and despair. I see it as more powerful than ever before. There's a um, seminary professor named Craig Keener, and he tells the story of around 1960 in the Congo, there was a two-year-old girl named Teresa, and Teresa was bitten by a snake and cried out for help to her mom, and before her mom could even get to her, she was unresponsive and not breathing. In that little village where they lived, there was no medical care. And so uh, Antoinette, her mom, took her daughter, strapped her to her back, and started to run for the nearest village. She ran, and she ran. For three hours, she ran. And she looked up uh, a friend she knew when she got to that village who was an evangelist, and, uh, you know, at that time, three hours without oxygen. If this girl surely wasn't dead, she, she was significantly brain damaged. And they laid her on the ground, and they prayed over her. And she immediately began breathing. 24 hours later, she was completely fine. No brain damage whatsoever. Today, that girl is a pastor in the Congo. And Keener, who tells the story, says he knows it's true because that girl is his sister-in-law. 
And that mom is his mother-in-law. Many of you have been carrying heavy things. And maybe you think they have been dead for a long time. And there is no way that God could bring them back to life. The resurrection says to you, keep running. Keep running to Jesus. Because he is risen. He's the risen one. There is always hope. Resurrection changes everything. Death is destroyed. Hope is restored. And third, grace is confirmed. The confirmation of grace. The angels said to the women, Remember how Jesus told you, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. The angels reminded them that the resurrection is the culmination of God's rescue plan for sinners. The cross and the resurrection interpret one another. They always go together because the resurrection is the proof that the Father has accepted the substitutionary sacrifice of the Son. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, If Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. But he has been raised. You are not in your sins. The resurrection is confirmation of the grace that we receive from Jesus at the cross. Our sins have been forgiven. And grace is all over Luke's resurrection account. Notice how it's the women who receive prominence, the place of prominence uh, in this story. Women were considered less than by that culture. They were not allowed to be credible witnesses in court. And yet God chooses those women who followed Jesus to be the first witnesses of his resurrection. And then when they tell the apostles, you know, the apostles, the important ones, the apostles don't believe them. They say, oh, it's just women nonsense, just women talk. You see, grace upends the ways of the world. Grace comes first to those who are weak and despised, to the low and the rejected. And of, and of all the women who are mentioned in the resurrection accounts, Mary Magdalene is always mentioned and she is always mentioned first. We don't know much about Mary other than what Luke tells us in chapter 8. He says, And the twelve were with Jesus and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. We don't know why Mary had seven demons, but we know this. Mary was a very troubled woman. Mary was a broken woman. Jesus had found her, rescued her, and healed her. And Mary Magdalene is in every resurrection account because of grace. And Peter, Peter is there at the resurrection. Peter, who declared so adamantly, I will die before I deny you. And then he denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. Do you know why Peter ran to the tomb? I think Peter ran to the tomb because he was desperate. He was desperate for grace. He knew that without it, he had no chance. The resurrection is the confirmation of God's grace. 
The message of Easter is the same message we preach the other 51 weeks of the year. You are dead in your sins. Dead people don't need a pep talk. Dead people don't need five steps to a better life. Dead people need a resurrection. Dead people need grace. William Willimon is a professor and a bishop at Duke Divinity School. He was uh, in, in chapel services, and he noticed a new student, a young man there. And so uh, he invited him to his house, made a sandwich. They sat on the porch, and he said, hey, tell, tell me about your, yourself. Tell me about your life. And, uh, and the young man said, um, uh, I made my parents' lives a living hell. I was, the, I was the teenager from hell. I made their lives miserable. And uh, he said, okay, well, I mean, I mean, t- tell me about that. Tell me more. He said, I was so bad, they had me committed to a mental institution for teenagers. I broke out of that place, hitchhiked to Chicago, where I lived on the streets as a prostitute. One night, I mugged this guy, a businessman from out of town, took his wallet, and went on a spree with his credit cards until the cops got me, and I was sent to prison for three years. I don't know if you have ever been in prison, but it was hell. I had hit bottom. This older prisoner took me under his wing, would read to me from the Bible at night before lockdown. He was the worst reader. Took him forever to get through a chapter. But I grew up a Catholic. I didn't know much about the Bible. So one night he was reading from the Gospel of Luke. I think it was that section about the lost sheep, lost coin, and the prodigal son. And it was like Jesus himself walked into that cell and grabbed me, slammed me against the wall and said to me, I got plans for you. So I got my high school degree, got out of prison, went to Michigan State, but I always wanted to go to Duke, so I transferred here. Here's my point. You're a preacher, right? I bet you preachers are always looking around for good stories to use in your sermons. We've got Easter coming up. Can't be easy to preach the resurrection at a place like Duke. I am your proof. Easter is true. And you know what? If you're here this morning and you believe, you are proof that Easter is true because it takes a resurrection. It takes grace to make someone a Christian. Later in Luke, Jesus appears to his disciples. He, he meets, he appears to them in, in, a, in a room and he, he says to them, look at my hands and look at my feet. He says, he says I'm hungry. Do you, do you have anything to eat? And give me some fish and some bread. And, and the disciples, it says in the passage that they, they still disbelieved for joy. They, they disbelieved for joy. It was as if they were saying, can it really be this good? Can, can it really be true? I, I don't, I don't want to put my heart out there and be disappointed again. Could it really be this good? And do you know what they discovered? That the resurrection really is that good. Because it means the destruction of death the restoration of hope, and the confirmation of grace. It changes 
everything. Let's pray. Jesus, we marvel. We wonder. It really is that good. It really is true. You have defeated death. You have given us hope. And you have shown us grace. Holy Spirit, help us Help us this morning to really believe it and maybe even change us. We pray in your son's precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.